Amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 20. Philippians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 20. When Saul had turned away from the Lord, God told Samuel, I want you to go and anoint a young man king, a man after my own heart. You see, David wasn't perfect, but he was a man who desired to follow the Lord. He was a man who was passionate about the things of God, and he was a man who wanted to pursue God in his life. His heart was in the right place. The Bible says that God looks to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking the heart of him who is fully committed to him, to show himself strong on his behalf. I want you to know the heart matters to God. Where we are inside ourselves. It's not just what we do on the outside, but it's where we are in our hearts matters to God. Uh, we need to have our hearts right so that we can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and we can be the people of God that God has called us to be. And uh, listen, your heart may not be right this morning. Can I, can I give you some good news? You can come to Jesus for help with that. He can help you get your heart right. And uh, he has done that for me many times. And, uh, and this scripture today, we get just a little glimpse of what is going on in the heart of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he is speaking uh, to the Philippians and he's, he's sharing some things and uh, things that he wants them to know. But he also just gives us a, a, a kind of an aside. And uh, this, is, this is part of, I think, his, his making a personal communication to this church because he wants them to understand what he's thinking. But he shares this passion that he has in his heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in so doing, shows us some things that we need to have right in our hearts. Some, some desires that we need to have so that we can fulfill the purposes of God as we need to fulfill them. There's a scripture that says, out of the heart are the issues of life. In other words, what I say, what I do, how I live, all of it begins in the heart. That's why we need to come to Jesus. You can't just reform your life. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I'll... I'll go to church, or I'll do some good things, and, and I'll get to heaven. No, you won't. Uh, your need is too great. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We are wicked in the eyes of God, apart from Jesus Christ. And so only Jesus can bring the change that we need. Only Jesus can bring the forgiveness that we need. And only Jesus can change the heart. Paul says everywhere, elsewhere, he says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Look, Nicodemus, you are the teacher of Israel. 
You are a man respected in religious circles. You're a man who's done a lot of good things. But he says, Nicodemus, that's not enough. You've got to have a heart change. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You need the change that only God can bring in your heart. We look to Jesus for that change so that we can be saved. We can be new creations. We can be God's children. We can know we're going to heaven when we die. But we also look to the Lord to help us with having the right heart as Christians since out of the heart are the issues of life. And as we have the right desires in our lives, God will be honored and his purposes will be achieved in our lives. And so the title of my message today is The Desires That Lead to Victory. The Desires That Lead to Victory. So we need to, to look to the Lord to help us have those right desires so that we can be where we need to be with the Lord. And so look with me at uh, Philippians 1 and verse 20. It says, My eager expectation or earnest expectation and my hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. But that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means a fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one of these I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. The desires that lead to victory. What should we desire as Christians in our lives? Well, the first thing I want you to see, we need to desire a righteous life. We need to desire a righteous life. If you look in verse 20, he says, My eager expectation and my hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. Listen, I want to tell you something. As a child of God, you ought to have a passion for righteousness. You ought to desire. What does it mean to be righteous, by the way? To be righteous means that we make decisions that are right in the eyes of God. That's all the word righteous means. Um, and that ought to be our desire. Why? Because as we walk rightly with the Lord, we'll walk in connection with the Lord, right? We'll be filled with the Spirit of God as we cooperate with Him. Uh, we'll be giving Him access to work through us to make a difference in the world. But we also ought to desire to live a righteous life because guess what? God knows what He's doing. God knows, God has made all things. And he has created us, and he knows what's best for us. And as we live a righteous life, we walk right in the center of what God has designed for us and of his best for us. And that's the place of meaning, that's the place of purpose, uh, that's the place of effectiveness in our lives. And God has designed us to fulfill that in our lives. Um, Righteousness is a blessing in and of itself. The Bible talks about the wealth that comes to a righteous man's house. Now, we're not health wealth, and 
we don't believe that if you, if you serve Christ faithfully that you'll automatically be rich and wear a Rolex. Okay? We don't believe that here. We do believe that God rewards those who give. We also believe that there is such a thing as the path of a righteous life. And God rewards it, but it also brings its own reward. The righteous person through the decisions that he or she makes is blessed because the favor of God is upon them, but also is blessed because righteous decisions in and of themselves give their own blessing. Let me give you an example. The Bible says the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. That's a, that's a wisdom statement in old King James. It basically means that uh, if you are diligent in your work, that it will bring a satisfaction in your soul. Okay? You'll have a satisfaction in your work. As you see the things you accomplish and the things that you do, there will be a satisfaction to it. Uh, if you follow that in your life, just take that one example. Can I tell you something? If you're diligent, if you've got managers with sense, guess what they're going to do? They're going to promote you. And when they promote you, you may get another job. You may have a job somewhere else where they'll give you a higher salary. Why? Because you're working hard. And as you work hard, and as you learn the things you need to learn, you'll be more uh, effective. And as you're more effective, you'll be more valuable. And you'll get more pay. That's not health wealth preaching. That's just common sense. Okay? So as you... Follow the wisdom of God and you make a right decision. There is a natural blessing that comes about as a fruit of that in your life. So you ought to hunger and thirst after righteousness in your life because it brings its own blessing. Um, it also is the character of Christ, right? Our great Savior who has lived a perfectly, he's the only one to ever live a perfectly righteous life. And so, uh, the Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. As you live a righteous life, you also will not be ashamed. Uh, this is what Paul is saying here. I don't want to be ashamed. You know, there are a lot of people who are ashamed today. Uh, we could all give testimony to things that we are not proud of in our lives, right? Uh, praise God for grace. Thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our sin. Uh, where would we be without it? But I'm going to tell you something. The world is looking to see people who truly desire to follow Jesus. It's not just lip service. They're looking to see. And, and you know, none of us are perfect, and, and we're not going to get there before Jesus comes. But can I tell you something? I don't want to be ashamed in my life. I don't, I don't want people to see the... Failure in my life and have it bring a reproach on the cause of Christ. And I ask God, I told, I've told God before, kill me before that happens. I don't, I don't want to bring a reproach on the cause of Christ. So Paul says, this is my earnest desire. This is my passionate desire that I will not be ashamed. I want to live a righteous life. So the desires that lead to victory, how does that live to victory? Well, righteousness is its own victory. But it will also lead to rewards and blessing from God, both here and in eternity. So, desires that lead to victory, what should we desire? First of all, desire a righteous life. Secondly, desire a consistent boldness. A consistent boldness. Look at verse 20. My eager expectation, my hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, 
as always, my translation says with all courage. Literally, the word means boldness. It's, it's associated with speaking out for Christ. Yes, you need courage for that. But boldness, as always, also now. Paul says, hey, I'm sitting in a prison cell. But I want to be just as bold in a prison cell as I was outside the prison cell. I want to speak for Jesus consistently. I want to be open in my speech for him. Why? Because life and death hang in the balance for people. Did you know that? Our choice to be silent or to speak may make the difference between somebody's eternal life or eternal death in hell. It is serious, serious business. By the way, the fact that Paul has to pray for this and ask for prayer for this. Another, another uh, letter he asked for prayer. He says, would you pre- please pray for me that I will be bold, that I'll speak the gospel the way that I should. That encourages me because I've not always been the bold speaker of the gospel that I should be. Uh, praise God for that, that God forgives us and so forth. But, but that also shows us it doesn't come, happen by accident. If you just think you're going to become bold uh, by osmosis, it's, listen, you're, you're, that's not going to happen. You've got to pray for it. You've got to seek it. Okay? This needs to be a desire in your life. And Paul says, listen, I don't care that I'm in prison. I want to be a bold speaker of the gospel. And if it gets me a longer prison sentence, so be it. If it leads to my death, so be it. Listen, we better get bold as Christians. Our country is taken away the freedoms that we hold, we hold dear, we better be bold in our proclamation of the truth because the lie is trying to get the upper hand in this country. God has called us to be bold, to speak the truth. So Paul says, this is my desire. Listen, I, I don't know when I get to heaven how many people I'm going to see that came to Christ through a witness of mine but I hope it's a host. I hope I can't even count them. Okay. I, I hope. We, I don't know how many people we've talked to Jesus. Listen, last night, and by the way, thank you who served in Trunk or Treat last night. May God bless you. I passed out over 300 of those little tracks and shared the gospel with every child that came through that, that line last night that would stick around. Okay. We had a couple that wouldn't stick around. Listen, I want to tell you something. I don't know what God's going to do with that. I don't have to know. But I pray that God will use that to bring people to Christ. And, and you know, what, how exciting is that to think about? That somebody would have their eternity changed because I was bold enough or you were bold enough to speak for Christ. Exciting stuff. Paul says, this is the desire of my heart. And he, he, he was bold. He, he went from town to town. He spoke. He was, he was beaten. He was put in prison. Um, they, they, one time they stoned him and left him for dead. Why? Because they didn't like what he was saying. But he kept on saying it. He kept on being bold. He said, this is my desire. I want to be bold in my walk with God. So the desire that leads to victory, it leads to eternal victory in this case, right? Uh, the desire that leads to victory, we need to desire in first for a righteous life. Second, we need to desire a consistent boldness. Thirdly, we need to desire a persistent honor. 
Look at verse 20 again. He says, My eager expectation and my hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always with all courage or boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. A persistent honor. We need to have the desire to honor God in what we do. You know, sometimes the things you do, you don't feel like doing, right? Sometimes you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But as Christians, we ought to do the right thing because it honors Christ, right? You say, well, well, what about this other person in my life? What about what they're doing? God's not going to ask you about that. He's going to ask you what you did, right? So we need to make the choice to honor Christ. It literally means to make to magnify or to make much of Christ. Um, with our electronic devices now, you can zoom in, right? And you can see if you're reading, if you're getting like me, and this is my first pair of bifocals, right? And I thought I was looking through a bottle when I first put these things on. Uh, but I, I, I'm trying to read the small print. I just couldn't read it. And, and so uh, praise God for electronics. You can just go like this. And all of a sudden, you can see the letters. It's a wonderful thing. It, it magnifies it, right? That's what we're to do with Jesus Christ. As, as we live our lives for Christ, as we speak about Jesus Christ, that we make much of him, that, that we cause Christ to be seen up close and personal. Jesus said before he left, he said, you will do greater works than I've done because I go to the Father. What he meant by that, was not that they were going to do a redeeming work or anything like that, but, but that they, because Christ was going, uh, would be sent the Holy Spirit, and they would be Jesus Christ to this world. And it would not just be one Jesus Christ, it would be a bunch of Jesus Christ going around and making much of Jesus through their lives. You see, what I can do for somebody is, is, is zero, Okay? But as Christ lives through me, I can share words that will make a difference in their life. As Christ lives through me, I can display his character, his love, his heart. And as people see Jesus in me, Christ is magnified. What is different about that person? Sherry had somebody ask her that in one of her classes overseas, and um, it, a couple of years ago, I felt led to, to put a, a, just a gospel presentation on the internet during COVID. And, and uh, she said, some of you have been asking me about it. This is the reason that I'm different. And she shared that with some of those uh, international friends of hers. And, uh, but listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, as you and I live for Christ, it will help bring, help bring up Jesus close and personal to people and let them see the difference. I want to tell you something. Hollywood is against the church. It's against Christians. You want to you see, just watch. In, in the shows, that if you watch TV, the Christian is always this, this weird, out-of-touch person who's a little bit crazy. Have you ever noticed that? That's on purpose. That's the agenda. The secular agenda of Hollywood is to make Christians look bad. How do you make Christians look good? You walk around filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ 
And as he lives through you and people see the love of God and people see the grace and people see all the things God's doing in your life. And as people hear the words that you're sharing that touch their hearts, it will make a difference. So Paul says, I I want Christ to be magnified in my life. I want people to make much of him. And so as we're obedient to Christ, as we follow him in our lives, we'll bring honor and glory to him and fulfill those purposes he has. And so the desires that lead to victory, we should desire a righteous life, a consistent boldness, a persistent honor, a fruitful work. Uh, in verse 22, he says, now if I live on the flesh, he's, he's talking, okay, he says on the one hand, I could go to be with Christ, and this would be far better. Uh, on the other hand, I could stay with, with you, and this would be helpful to you, right? Because I'd be able to teach you, I'd be able to minister to you, and so forth. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm not really sure which one I would, would choose. I know to be with Christ is far better. But then he says in verse 22, now if I live on in the flesh, this means a fruitful work for me. Verse 25, he says, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So Paul says, this is, you know, theoretically I'm looking at these two options, but really God's told me I'm staying with you and I'm going to minister to you and that it's going to be a fruitful work for me. But he desires to have fruit spiritually in his life. Did you know that God hasn't called us to sit on our blessed assurance? He has called us to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. Right? To reach a lost world. To minister to the people of God. Listen, um, God's called us to be fruitful. And that fruit takes several different forms, I believe. The, The scripture talks about the fruits of the spirit. Right? Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're called to bear a fruit in our character that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit living within us that makes a difference in our character. We're called to bear fruit by winning people to Jesus Christ, right? The Bible says in the parable of the sower that uh, the sower went out to sow and that some of the seed that fell on good soil bore fruit 30, 60 and a hundredfold. So uh, I love when somebody gets saved in this church. It just excites me to no end. I love to see the baptismal waters stirred. Uh, I love to see somebody's life changed and uh, to hear the change that Christ has made in somebody's life. It, it's exciting for me. Uh, that's probably my favorite kind of fruit to have uh, is the fruit of lost souls. But also, he says, I, I want the fruit. Here in this passage, he says, I want to see the fruit of your progress in the gospel. Your progress in the things of God. And so, uh, Paul says, I know if I remain, I'll see that fruit. I'll see you progress. The word of God will have its intended effect in your life. And so, that ought to be a desire in our lives, to have a fruitfulness. Now, listen, sometimes you you, you serve God, you don't see fruit right away, right? Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes I remember uh, when my kids, um, at one point, uh, I was thinking, you know, I remember thinking as a father, is what I'm doing getting through? 
Have you ever thought that as a parent? What I'm doing getting through, I, I'm not sure it is. And I, I would pray and everything, and I, and I had, I had but, but then eventually, eventually God worked in their life. But listen, sometimes you don't see fruit right away, right? Sometimes you're planting seed. You're planting seed. If, if you're as good at, uh, as at gardening as I am, you have to plant seed a lot more uh, than some of you who are good gardeners, okay? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, we're called to be consistent in the things we do for God. If you teach other people the Word of God, I know several of you are teachers in our church, sometimes you don't see the fruit right away, right? I remember the first Sunday school, teach, uh, first Sunday school class I ever taught uh, was a class of middle school boys, I don't think there's any less motivated people in the whole church than middle school boys, okay? Or maybe it was just, I don't know, maybe that was just my experience. But I went in there, you know, and, and one of them, he'd always have his head laying on the table like that when I came in, just just uh, drowsy and just barely awake, you know. I thought I was going to have to put him on life support a couple of times. And, uh, you know, and then the other one didn't look interested. He was awake, but he didn't look interested. And I remember thinking, you know, what am I doing uh, is this having any impact whatsoever? And sometimes we wonder that, don't we? But the Bible says, God says of, of his word, he says, my word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which I've sent it. And so what we need to be concerned about is to be faithful. The fruit is God's business. We need, just need to be faithful in doing what God has called us to do. But we also do need to pray that God will help us be fruitful in our service for Him. And it needs to be a desire and a passion in our lives. Listen, you can work, and, and, and working in your job is a, is a wonderful, it's a good thing. It's, a, it's an honorable thing to do, be a good hard worker and to do your job and do it well. But you can live your whole life and you die. And if you do it to glorify Christ, you'll receive a reward for it. But I want to tell you something. What you do for Jesus will last forever it will and so as you serve him remember there's an eternal reward for it but but earnestly desire that fruitfulness pray for it and ask God to help you be the kind of person and the kind of Christian that he can use and God delights in that kind of desire in our hearts and lives all right so we need to desire a righteous life a consistent boldness a persistent honor a fruitful work and finally a better Hope. I love this. In verse 23, I'm torn between the two. I long, I long to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I get excited to think about this. We need to desire our hope. Listen, how does that help you be victorious? It carries you through the difficult times. There are times, I remember um, my dad's a pastor, and some of you know him. Uh, I remember one time in his ministry, and he was talking with me, and he was just discouraged. And, uh, and I remember uh, just thinking, you know, and he said, sometimes I just want to go home and be with the Lord. That's just where he was. He was clinging to his hope. Everything on the outside was hard, but he was clinging to his hope. I've done that in my life. There have been times in, that uh, I've, I've not known what way it was up, what way it was down in my life. And 
things have been hard, things have been difficult, but I remember my hope. Jesus is coming for me. I, I, I had so much fun last night telling kids, you know, you got to kind of put, put it kids' language. And so uh, I was telling them about the gold spot on the little flipper flapper I was using to witness to them. And I said, this gold represents heaven. And heaven is a place where there will be streets of gold. Okay? Now, I couldn't say a whole lot more than that, you know, because attention span, right? But there's a whole lot more than that. Okay? Streets of the, the streets are what you walk on, okay? So usually what you walk on isn't as good as everything you're looking at around you, right? Uh, listen, I mean, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, we can't even fathom. The description of the eternal city is unlike anything you and I have ever seen. It's a city two-thirds the size of the United States and two-thirds, I mean, that same length up into the air. It's a, it's a beautiful city. Uh, there will be a new heaven and a new earth that is untouched by the curse of sin. Uh, our hope, there'll be a perfect righteousness. There'll be nobody doing crimes. There'll be no sin. There'll be no bad news. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around that. I mean, it is so wonderful to think about. And everything, every grief and every trial and every heartache and every struggle, the Bible says this light and momentary suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. The best is yet to come. As far as I'm certain, Jesus uh, signed me up to get on the train today. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to see what you have prepared that better hope ought to be the desire of our heart listen i'm gonna tell you something we don't live for this world primarily okay now you do have to live in this world right as a christian you got to do your job you got to you know you've got responsibilities your family and so forth but we don't live primarily for this world we live primarily for the world that's yet to come and in what we say and in what we do and in how we live We've got to keep that perspective. Paul says, this is my desire. He's sitting in a prison cell. And I imagine it's not like today where you get three squares a day and cable, right? I mean, this was a real prison cell, you know, probably with a dirt floor and, you know, and it's probably stunk. Okay, this was not a pleasant experience. And yet, Paul says, I'm sitting here in this prison cell, but I desire my hope that is yet to come. I know that to be with Christ will be far better. And I can't wait for the experience to happen. So, we need to desire that hope. And Scripture says in Ephesians that hope is like a helmet of salvation for us. It's the helmet of the hope of salvation. You see, it protects our hearts and our minds in this world. If you get discouraged by, by sin in your life, I mean, you need to repent of sin. You need to confess it to God and ask the Spirit to fill you, give you victory. But sometimes you can get disillusioned by your own sin, can't you? Guess what? Jesus is coming. Praise God. One day, this old albatross of sin that you have to deal with will be gone forever. Isn't that a wonderful thought? <laughs> uh, This helmet of salvation protects me from the accusations of the enemy also because as he speaks, your life is not making a difference. What do you think you're, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You might as well quit. Have you ever had those thoughts? You know where they come from. 
come right from the devil. Okay? The helmet of salvation tells me what I'm doing makes an eternal difference because God's got a reward for me. <laughs> Whatever happens here. Can you imagine being somebody like Jeremiah? Jeremiah preached his whole ministry, and there were a few people that listened to some things he said, but most people just ignored him and hated him for, for his message. Talk about discouraging. I imagine the enemy tried to use that tactic with him. Oh, what are you doing? What do you think you Who do you think you are, Jeremiah? Why do you even try? Why don't you just quit? Can I tell you something? Jeremiah is experiencing the joy of his Lord. <laughs> He's experiencing the rewards of heaven. And uh, what an amazing hope we have as God's people. So we need to desire that better hope. And it will sustain us and it will help us to have victory because it will carry us through those difficult times. So the desire that leads to victory, what should we desire? Desire a righteous life, a consistent boldness, a persistent honor, a fruitful work, and a better hope. And uh, as you desire these things in life, out of the heart are the issues of life. And God will make a difference in your life. It will affect every facet of your life if you will hunger and thirst for the things that God's called you to hunger and thirst for in your life. Uh, This is God's heart for us as his people, may it be. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the, the message that you have given to us as your people today. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the right kind of hearts, help us desire the right things. But, Father, also I pray for those who don't know Jesus Christ today. I pray that today would be the day that their life would be changed by your power. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.